it's not that the family members don't have love and compassion, but that there's so much stigma and so much misunderstanding that Mm -hmm. they miss the opportunity to be connected. Hi, I'm Esther Boykin. And I'm Erica Turner. We're licensed marriage and family therapists. And together we run Therapy is Not a Dirty Word, a collection of workshops, retreats, happy hours, and other awesome ways, like this podcast, to bring people and therapists together in real life. With that being said, here's the podcast. I'm super excited for today's guest, as I always am. (laughs) Uh, today we are talking with James Bland and James, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. I always like, you know, what's the 30 second pitch? Like, who are you? What do you do? What do you want people to know before we get started? Yeah. So my name is James Bland. I'm a content creator, filmmaker, actor, writer, producer, director, uh, based in Los Angeles. I'm the creator, showrunner, star of the award-winning digital drama series, Giant. So excited. That's your self-pitch. It's so good. I'm so impressed. <laughs> Thank you. Seriously, I need to, I'm like taking notes. My, my own pitch is terrible. <laughs> so I know Eric and I both have like a ton of questions and are really excited and are big fans of the show, Giants. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about sort of uh, Giants and then we'll kind of dive into some. I mean, there's tons of awards to talk about and, and impact of the work that you've been doing. Yeah, sure, sure. So the Giants is a coming up adulthood uh, drama series that originally streamed on Issa Rae's YouTube channel, but can now be seen on Clio TV, which is a new uh, cable network from TV One. Uh, the show follows three uh, millennials of color as they navigate uh, through Los Angeles, and um, they each are currently battling with their own inner giant. And so we watch as they deal with issues uh, from depression to coming to terms with their sexuality, to finding their purpose, to economic survival. Um, and then these three characters are then stacked on top of each other in a one-bedroom apartment and are forced to deal with their inner giants while on full display. You know, it's one another. So, um, you know, Giants has been described as an authentic portrayal of the Black millennial experience. Um, it's a coming of adulthood, which I think is a word I coined because we always hear coming of age, which you think a bit younger. But there's this, you know, thing that uh, in particular, I know millennials, we go through when you hit 30 and you're grown like you've been grown. But there's still um, some adjustment as you really learn how to adult and this whole adulting thing. And so the show really uh, showcases that. And yeah, that's Giants. We have two seasons currently out that anyone can binge. You can uh, binge it on YouTube and um, check it out. It's great. Erica, so before I just like run off at the mouth, I'm figure I should go first. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think the show is great, and I think it, you know, just hits at so many layers of experience. And I was curious about, you know, well, multiple, many things, um, but one is sort of for you. What was the sort of importance in in telling stories that in, involved mental health, right? Like that, mm-hmm. that that was a focus. That that is a key point of of the show. What sparked that for you? 
Yeah, so when I created Giants, so I started writing the show around 2015. And honestly, there was not a lot of talk about mental health in media or in television shows. I think as of late, we've seen it more and more. Particularly, we've seen characters, black characters, female characters go to therapy in shows like Insecure. And now uh, she's got to have it. But in 2015, I wasn't seeing much of that. And it was somewhat foreign to me. And so my outlet to mental health conversations and uh, conversations on therapy was through one of my really good friends, Vanessa Bade and Kelly, because she uh, is manic depressive. She was very open and transparent about her, her struggles, not only in terms of how she felt, but I witnessed it firsthand because she would spend a lot of days kind of just uh, paralyzed, you know, uh, on my couch. And we would joke about it at times and we would call her Roger from Sister Sister and we said she just never, you know, wanted to go home. But the more and more, you know, I watched her and paid close attention to her and just uh, you know, lit my ear and, you know, encouraging words, I realized that I had never quite, you know, seen this and, and of course we hadn't had never quite talked about what this struggle was like outside of our relationship. And so when I decided to create Giants, really I just wanted to show authentic portrayals of people that I knew and of myself. And, you know, Vanessa was one of the the closest people to me, you know, at that time. And so uh, naturally uh, her experience, you know, came out in my writing and it was initially just done to give her space to voice what her experiences and struggles, you know, had been like. And then um, once we put the show out and we received such a tremendous response, it then uh, blossomed into this responsibility that we felt to show that uh, people of color have the ability to have these conversations and uh, people of color have the ability to, um, you know, find treatment. And it's not just like a white thing or um, when, when it comes to therapy. And so we felt that weight, you know, on our shoulders just as a result of the initial response. Because the first season, we didn't see Journey go to therapy. We didn't really see her seek any real help. We just saw the struggle. And we knew that we also, on the other side, with our second season, had to show the progress and the work and how she could ultimately, you know, cope with and, and defeat, slay, or learn to live with this giant that she was carrying. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, love that description. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a, you know, a really honest betrayal, you know, of how depression in particular works. I mean, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. struck by that. There's a scene when her sister says, and I'm, I'm definitely not going to remember which episode it was, but when her mm -hmm. sister says, well, I think you just make excuses, something like, I think mm -hmm. you make excuses for why you can't do more or why you can't do yeah. what you can do. And I think so perfectly gets at the experience from the outside of a person with depression, right? Like the family member, the friend who just can't mm -hmm. understand the internal experience of it and show yeah. reality. Yeah. It's episode four in our first season, uh, Journey's character is saying, I'm manic depressive, Candace, you know that. And her sister says, it's an excuse. And so from her perspective, she feels like she uses this label of depression as an excuse not to show up, not to get out of bed, not to do the things that a healthy person does to survive. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's, I think there is 
it shows such the nuance and kind of the complexity of those relationships, right? Like, because I think it came, I, I remember this, the episode too, and it's like, even though, even if you understand depression, right? And you feel like, oh gosh, I can't believe her sister said that. You also have this sense that like her sister loves her. And I think that's mm-hmm. oftentimes the complexity for families. And I think in particular for black families or families of color is that there, it's not that the family members don't have love and compassion, but that there's so much stigma and so much misunderstanding that mm-hmm. they miss the opportunity to be connected. And so I think being able to show that in such an honest way was really, yeah, it was beautiful to watch. I've had, had some clients and some friends who watched and felt like it was sometimes hard to watch because it was so true, mm-hmm. yeah. but really appreciated the, the truthfulness in the storytelling. Yeah. Absolutely. So one of the things that you just said as you were talking about it is like that, that sense of responsibility, right? Like once you kind of start to tell these stories around mental health, that, and I think it's one of the things that I love and respect about the work that you guys have done on it with the show is that there is this sense of responsibility of how you then choose to portray mm-hmm. mental health, right? Like what's that been like in terms of, you know, because you, I mean, that's not your background, right? Like you're not a therapist, it's like you didn't set out necessarily to become mental health advocate. So what's that process been like for you in terms of suddenly having really kind of a, a, this huge platform and this big voice in this space um, and, and trying yeah. to manage that with a responsible perspective. Yeah, you know, from the creative perspective, our model in our writer's room was to just tell the truth. And so uh, what we wanted to do was to be as transparent with our experiences and portray that on screen. And so, you know, Vanessa being in the writer's room was a huge part of how we displayed her character because she had walked, you know, that journey. And so a lot of journey is authentic to what Vanessa has gone through. Um, and so we would have very specific conversations about, well, is she manic depressive? Is she clinically depressed? Uh, we would have conversations about medication, about even the setting of uh, of the, the therapist's office in terms of where she's sitting um, and is she comfortable and things that the therapist uh, would say because I personally had not been to therapy when we were writing, you know, these things, but Vanessa had it. Uh, we had another producer had been to therapy. And so there were times where I would write a scene and then they would go back and say a therapist would not, they wouldn't uh, say that or they wouldn't ask a question in that way. And so we, although we weren't, you know, therapists or psychiatrists or anything like that, we were really leaning on our personal experiences and those who had been in those shoes. And then from there, the way we really, I guess, managed the responsibility outside of the actual episodes, we've uh, done a series of mental health events. We've done things with Esther. We've done, uh, we just recently partnered with the County of Los Angeles um, and my brother's keeper Alliance to do a series of mental health panels in LA. And we make sure that we always had clinical um, uh, folks on that panel who could speak from that side. And so we have folks who can say, hey, this is my experience. And then we have, you know, the folks who can say from a professional outlook, this is what uh, this looks like, or this is what you need to do to get help, or I'm the person that you can talk to in terms of, hey, you want to take that step in terms of getting treatment or therapy or whatever it is, I can then help. And so we've always just tried to balance what we know versus what we don't know by surrounding ourselves with professionals. Which has been really cool. And it was really exciting for me when we did, and 
Eric and I do the therapy is not a dirty word happy hours together most of the time, but I was in LA mm-hmm. and I was just so impressed with, you know, just kind of this balance between that you do have some expertise because you've been like, he's been telling these stories you're doing this writing and being really, yeah. really curious and open to hearing not only from professionals, but from from the community, right? Like from other people. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, like just on a personal level, what, that ex- what that's been like. Because we know what it's like to sort of walk into a room or to be in spaces where people assume you know things about their mental health mm-hmm. or about mental health in general or, you know, mm-hmm. what's it been like for you? I'm just wondering, like, has that evolved over time? Like in terms of the mm-hmm. things people are willing to tell you or ask you or expect of you? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's almost been like a bit of church in a way. Like I'm, I've been calling Giants my ministry simply because people uh, will come up to me and just share not necessarily their problems or, hey, like like folks aren't approaching me like I'm a therapist and they want to, you know, talk to me about what they're going through, but more so just sharing their testimonies of, hey, this is what I was dealing with. Um, I saw your show and this is how it helped. So I've gotten a lot of praise reports, and those are the things that really uplift me. Uh, and I can tell you, it was the the sole one of almost the sole reason that I decided to do a second season after season one was the messages from folks who said, uh, "You saved my life in, in some kind of way," and and I had I hadn't even imagined that the show would have that type of impact. And so we just realized that it was much bigger, you know, than ourselves. But um. Yeah, folks have really been healed and set free and they've seen themselves in ways or they have found the courage or as a result of the show, given themselves permission to talk about their mental health problems with their um, or struggles with their family members or to go and actually see therapy. God just told me the other day, he said, uh, you're the reason I'm in therapy was watching Giants. Like I didn't realize I needed it until I saw Giants. So that was really cool. That is amazing. Yeah. And one of our panels, one of our panels for black men, we had an older gentleman. I would say, well, when I say older, he was like between like 40 and 50. Uh, but he, from coming to that uh, that panel, he said, I didn't realize until today that I have mental health issues. He was like, it was just never put into a context for me as a result of the community that I grew up in. Um, and then one of our uh, professionals on the panel was like, hey, if you have a mind, if you have a brain, we all have mental health. Um, we all have, I don't want to say problems or issues, but we all have a mental health. You know, it's like our, our physical health. Um, there's always a tune-up. There's always, you know, something that we can go, you know, and get checked out. And I think uh, for the most part, realizing that there's been such a negative stigma that folks, in particular in communities of color have associated words like you're crazy or you're, you know, out of your mind to you have mental health problems, not realizing just anxiety or certain trauma, it all kind of ties into it. And that's something that we all have, that we all experience, that we all can talk to someone about. And so it's just been very interesting to see how uh, folks have been able to uh, eternalize this whole subject of mental health as a result of you know, giants and the events that we've done around the show. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I think it, I mean, obviously it speaks to the ability, you know, for stories, the way that stories kind of connect people and make something, I think, 
more easy, like easier to understand than when we just sort of talk about it in a more clinical way or a more detached way and speaks to the power of your writing, obviously, you know, just in how powerful that is and how it's touched people and reached people. Yeah, thank you. One of the things too that kind of comes up kind of as you were talking about it, I think, you know, there's an expectation with mental health concerns that somebody is going to look like they're having mental health problems from the outside that you're going to be able to tell. And I think Mm -hmm. that this show does such a brilliant job of showing like, it's not going to be obvious in the way that you think it is Um, that, you know, you think of, I think people think of the most extreme examples when they see, when they think of mental health concerns, when, you know, they think of people who maybe detach from reality or that sort of thing. Um, Mm -hmm you know, as opposed to someone who's dealing with depression and can't get out of bed, that that's also, you know, along this direct spectrum of, of mental illness and that it's a spectrum, not this sort of like you either are mentally unwell or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally. a really great way that you, you highlighted that. Thank you. So tell me, I was just curious a little bit more about some of the panels that you've done and just kind of being more connected to like the community, like I- I know you said that you worked with like uh, the county and some different programs and organizations. What, mm-hmm. um, in terms of like the things that people don't see, like what's that experience been like? And, and do you have other things that you're kind of planning to do or wanting to do? Yeah, it's been such a rewarding experience. You know, folks, particularly on social media, constantly ask when the season three, you know, coming. And, you know, we're figuring out what's next for the show in terms of the episodes. But I always remind people that the impact of the show goes and stretches far beyond the screen. And um, and that is a direct result of the community events. And so the intention for me, at least, with creating the show was to help folks. I just wanted people to see themselves. I wanted the show to be a mirror and ultimately for um, people to receive some type of inspirational tools where they felt like they could defeat, you know, whatever their giant was. And so realizing that even when new episodes aren't coming out, that we can still do that work through uh, community conversation. And so, uh, yeah, we just wrapped three panels, um, uh, one that focused on Black men and Black healing. The other one was Black women, you know, in mental health. And the other one was LGBTQ uh, community specifically and the mental health issues and the trauma that that community experiences as a result of, you know, their identity and the cultural, you know, stigmas that exist within uh, communities of color. And uh, we utilize giants as a toolkit. And so we take uh, scenes from the show and we'll show the scene and then we'll use that uh, to jumpstart the conversation. And so it's just been a great marriage of, of, of entertainment and purpose and being able to connect to folks and, and talk to folks. It's been a great way to continue to spread the message and awareness of the show, but um, ultimately for folks to come together and realize that they're not alone. And I think that's the great thing is when you realize that you have a community and that there are folks who are behind you who are supporting you, who are rooting for you, or who can say, hey, I've been in your shoes, or hey, it gets better, then you just start to realize the, the far-reaching, you know, impact that that has. And it just goes, you know, beyond entertainment. So it's been great. And in terms of what's next, we want to continue. So we did three. We got funding, you know, for that. And they were so successful. And, of course, folks who follow us on social media 
will always say, hey, come to my city or are you guys going to be, you know, um, in, in Detroit or Chicago? And so the hope is to continue, you know, these panels and to partner um, with uh, you guys and maybe do something in D.C. You know, we partnered with Silence to Shame in Atlanta last year. Uh, and we did a screening, a podcast, and also a panel that was received really well. And so uh, the work will continue you know, throughout uh, 2019 and, you know, beyond, even as we figure out what's next in terms of episodic content. Cool. And we will definitely have you in D.C. Yeah. I'm I'm already, like, looking at my calendar, like, like, when when are we available? (laughs) Well, we will definitely talk about having you in D.C. because I would, you know, I'm always up for that, or Eric and I are both always up for that. We'd love that. Um, So, you talked about community and one of the questions, and I think because I I think about this and Eric and I talk about this often in terms of our own work, right? Like it's mm-hmm. very rewarding when you give back to other people, but mm-hmm. in that process, we also have to figure out like, how are we taking care of our own mental health and our own, like, are we creating enough self-care and community for us? So like, what's that been like? Because I think it's stressful creating things. And even when you're like yeah. really successful and, you know, out there winning Emmys, there's a lot of transition and a lot of responsibility that comes with that. Right. So mm-hmm. what's mm-hmm. it been like for you in terms of like building a sense of your own community and also taking care of yourself through this process as you continue? To yeah. I had a, I have a really great tribe, you know, here in LA. Um, a lot of the folks who worked on giants and, who are some of my closest friends I've known since college, you know, like Vanessa being one of them. And so we have a very transparent, you know, relationship. Uh, I have a tribe where I don't feel uncomfortable talk, not talking about much. Um, so that's, that's really great, you know, for me. And I'm able to just be very honest about my struggles. And like, for example, I, I was, writing i've been writing a movie this year and i've experienced anxiety at a level that i've never experienced you know in my life and so i've been able to you know share those things with friends who who've been there who get it and who can give me you know uh, advice and um and guidance on how to cope and manage you know with the stress and the anxiety that sometimes comes with a new level in your career newfound attention but also like this 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 new expectation and sometimes expectation that we place on ourselves that we need to learn to remove and i think the last part is in doing these panels um i've sat on i sat on one um and i kind of helped to facilitate the others um i've received so much information and so much healing just being in the environment and having these different therapists and psychologists you know, talk and speak. So just being in the atmosphere, uh, you receive and absorb so much. And then I think the last part, I'm currently in the process of uh, finding a therapist, you know, here in LA. And so as a result of doing this work and before never really being in kind of that, that boat of feeling like I didn't really need it because I didn't necessarily experience depression um, in the way that I, you, you typically thought, oh, you need to go talk to someone. But realizing that I have uh, a lot of anxiety that is very new for me. And then I think just, you know, trauma that I didn't know is trauma. And I think that's the best thing about once you really kind of get into this work, you start to pinpoint certain things that you didn't know how to label before. 
Um, and now I know how to say, you know, that was trauma and I haven't dealt with that. And it's showing up and it's manifesting in other areas of my life. So I need to do the work of of healing, you know, in that area. And so it's just made me more self-aware. And yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And I really appreciate you sharing the piece about going to therapy and making that decision. Because I think that's so often that is people's experience. Like there's some core things that maybe we brush off, but that we know like, oh, this isn't okay. Right. Like if I can't get out of bed for two weeks, that feels problematic. It affects other parts of life. Mm -hmm. But there's so much that therapy can be helpful for that most of us can sort of push through or suffer through or endure. And as you said, like sometimes you just don't even have the language. You don't even know that this experience could be labeled as trauma or that what feels like stress or whatever really is anxiety and that there's support for that. There's a way like that we don't always need to be in crisis to seek that help. And I think for a lot of people and my experience, just because I happen to work with a lot of men is for a lot of men that is in particular the case. Like, no, I'm fine. Everything is like, yeah, the number <laughs> of men that I could, that's, that get to me because of like a relational issue or because they've got, you know, a partner who's pushing them to say there's a problem. And then we talk about it and like, oh, well, what you're describing is anxiety or it's depression or yes, this thing that happened to you last year or when you were 10 or whenever, like that actually sounds, that was very traumatic. And mm-hmm. there's a different kind of toolkit that you can have that makes life feel differently and, and not quite so hard. So. I appreciate you saying that because I think for a lot of people, you need to hear it from somebody else besides, you know, me as a Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I totally agree. Right. Yeah. I want to ask a question that's a bit separate from the mental health piece, if that's cool with everybody. Um, <laughs> no, Erica, we're only talking about therapy and mental health today. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask about you had done an interview I think it was an interview I'd read and you had said that basically that there weren't really there aren't really any original ideas and that I'm quoting you to yourself so that might be a weird experience what separates a great project from one that falls short is how authentic and honest you're willing to be with your art which really struck out to me and I was curious about for you, what that process looks like to be able to, to sort of stay authentic and stay honest, particularly as the stakes have gotten higher, right? Like the show's yeah. gotten more popular, more successful, it's been award recognized. Like, how do you stay close to your creative self with all of that sort of, you know, in the atmosphere, so to speak? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I'm currently figuring it out, you know, just to be so honest and uh, I'm figuring it out because I'm in it right now. Uh, for the very first time, I'm actually writing projects that I now have to get notes from a studio on. And prior to that, uh, I didn't have that experience. Everything that I created, I just put into the world. Um, and there was no one kind of overseeing my creativity. And so I'm experiencing that now for the first time as I uh, work on uh, this new feature film that I'm writing that I'm writing through a, a studio. And so I'm actually awaiting notes and I will have to, you know, really navigate how I stay true to my voice while, you know, taking the suggestions, you know, of, you know, other people. I think, uh, and what I've learned 
from talking to other writers is you really have to figure out the note behind the note. Um, and so sometimes you get a note on a project or, you know, people will suggest certain things you should do to make your stuff more commercially appealing. Um, and you learn how to take the note in a way where it doesn't compromise what it is you're trying to say, but, uh, still figuring out how to make adjustments and be a team player while keeping your voice, you know, authentic and intact. And I can tell you that it's a process that I'm currently going through that I'm really just leaning on other folks who've done it successfully, you know, to help guide me through it. And I think for me, what it is going to always be is just remember my why, that as long as the why is intact and as long as it doesn't shift or change my why, like I always ask myself, why are you, why are you fighting this? Or why is this project important to you? And um, if a note doesn't change my why, I think I can live with it. And because there's nothing new under the sun and there are so many ways to tell a story and there's so many ways to get a message across and things don't have to be technically on the nose or, you know, things can be somewhat, uh, I think, uh, covert in a way and still penetrate. Um, and that's a lot of what I wanted to do in Giants, even the spiritual aspects. It's such a spiritual show, but it's uh, kind of sprinkled in a lot of realness and a lot of authenticity and a lot of profanity and some sex, <laughs> you know. And, uh, it's, <laughs> and so sometimes you even miss that, ooh, did they just preach to me? <laughs> because you just don't expect it to be in, you know, this type of project. And so I've learned that as long as the why is attacked. And so I think that's probably the simple way to answer, you know, that question. It's just stay true to the why. And I could I could modify characters here and there. I could modify storylines. But if the why is in my through line, then I think I uh, can live with whatever, you know, adjustments I have to make to, you know, appeal to studios and production companies. Oh, I love that idea. Like, I think it just makes so much sense to kind of anchor yourself in something, you know, for yourself, mm -hmm. for your vision. Because otherwise I would yeah. imagine with so many, you know, potentially like if you're working on a big project, you know, for a studio or something, there could potentially be so many cooks in the kitchen, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, and I think mm -hmm. we've all seen those like Frankenstein movies, like Frankenstein TV shows where it's too many voices and no real thread. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yes. Yeah, I love yes. that. And it feels like an answer that can be applied to so much of life, right? Like so many places where people kind of struggle with like, I don't like, how do I balance like input from other people and what, where I'm trying to go <laughs> being clear about your why and learning how to like ground, stay grounded in that as you, yeah. as you said, like you make modifications and you adjust is like, that feels like life lessons. <laughs> For sure. Totally agree. Yeah. Connect to that why. Drop an anchor. <laughs> Exactly. All right. So I have a totally frivolous question. How was it going to the Emmys? Tell us all about your experience. <laughs> yeah, the Emmys were really cool. So this was uh, this was Vanessa and I's second time at the Emmys because we were nominated for our first season uh, for outstanding lead actor and actress in a digital drama. This year we were nominated in eleven categories, and so I want to say. We went like 15 deep, which was an even better experience because 
you know, it's always it's always more fun when you can do it with with the crew, you know. Mm-hmm. And for me as a creator of the show, to see so many artists get this opportunity to uh, live this dream, you know, because I think every actor and performer, uh, writer, director, you know, you move to L.A. with the hopes of one day making it, you know, to that red carpet, to the Emmys, to work on something that is recognized in that way. And for a lot of us to have that experience so early in our careers, in particular at a time where you start to wonder, is this for me or is this going to happen for me? Because you work so hard and I'm I'm going on 11 years in L.A. and I know other folks who are part of Giants have been here just that long and you're just waiting on that breakthrough. And so attending the Emmys was definitely encouragement that uh, it's for us, that it can happen um, and we just got to keep going. Uh, and I would dare to say we were probably the best dressed, you know, on the red carpet. I mean, so, probably. You, you know, probably we got really... We got really fly, and that's always fun. <laughs> we took some great pictures, which is always fun. And we drank a lot of champagne, which is also fun. So <laughs> overall, it was just a really good time. Those, those are cute, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you guys looked amazing. And, then we, and we won. And we, we won, too. Won. You know, we took two Emmys home. So, you know, that makes it even better. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I will confess that because I know you, you know, because I saw, you know, we did the panel a couple of years ago and everything. I, I literally was like a little proud mom. Like, they look so cute. Oh my gosh. Oh, they won. Like, I was very, very, yeah. very excited. So, really, congratulations. Like, I was totally just Thank randomly you. showing people. I was like, have you seen this show? Do you know these people? Because they just won. Yeah. I know them. They're amazing. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's really, I mean, I just really appreciate you not, I mean, obviously being on the podcast, but also really sharing kind of your process with us and, and, and the work that you guys are continuing to do. I'm glad that we were able to find some time and and make this work. I, between all three of our schedules, it was a struggle for a minute there, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we made made it happen. No, I appreciate you guys just having this platform and for doing the work that you do and for being a resource and for being an example. So kudos to you guys. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And, and for all of our listeners, I'm not kidding. And I I know that James and Erica both know, like I will be hounding them shortly with some dates (laughs) so that they can come out and we'll do, we will do all those things. We will do screenings and we'll do definitely some panels. I think that would be excellent. So if you are in DC and you're listening to this episode, you should probably get on our website. So before we go, tell everybody where they can find you and Giants. I know you already told, but give everybody all the details and all the links, and then we'll post everything in the show notes too. Yeah, definitely. So you can actually uh, binge season one and two of Giants on Issa Rae's YouTube channel. So if you go to YouTube and type in Issa Rae Giants, uh, the show will come up. The show is also on Clio TV. You can check your local listings uh, to find out when the show uh, will be airing. Uh, at one point, it was Sundays. Um, a marathon. I'm not sure if, if that's still happening, uh, but you can also follow the show on social at Giants the series on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And you can find me at Jr. Bland on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you so much. Really appreciate Thank you. you joining us. Of course. And, yeah. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks. Have a good one, guys. You, you too. too. Right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. 
So what'd you think of today's episode? If you're listening in the anchor.fm app, hit the button up at the top and leave us a message. You can also send us messages on Instagram or Twitter at EstherBMFT and at Ian Flats. You can send us your therapist problems, suggestions for read, listen, watch, or ideas for upcoming episodes. And with that being said, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, anchor.fm. Catch you in the next episode.